Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My Bible is open up to Mark, the 12th chapter. Mark chapter 12. We're going to be working mostly uh, out of this passage uh, all morning long. You may just want to place your marker there. We'll bounce out a couple of times, but we'll just keep coming right back to these last few verses at the end of Mark chapter 12 as we open up and as we work together in the Word of God for these next few minutes. It is great to see everybody this morning. So glad that you are here. And especially if you are visiting with us, we are really just glad and delighted that you've come our way. We hope and trust that you're finding everything that we're doing today to be found in keeping with the teaching of the Scriptures. And if there's some way that we can serve you or assist you or help you in your walk with Jesus Christ, we want to be available to do that. And in fact, this year we are giving some extra special attention to that idea of walking with Jesus, as we have spent some very focused time in various scenes and episodes in the life of Christ, looking at the Gospels, trying to place ourselves just kind of right there in that moment, in those scenes, as we watch Jesus talk, we see Him work, and we see how He interacts with folks, and as we try to see things from His perspective, what kind of things can we learn from being in the presence of the Lord? This morning that brings us to Mark the 12th chapter. Read with me right down here at the very end. In Mark 12, beginning in verse 41, there we're told that Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. And He watched the people putting money into the offering box. And many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came. And she put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything that she had, all that she had to live on. You know, wouldn't it be great to do something really big for the kingdom of God? I think nearly every conscientious Christian, deep down, has that desire. that Man, I'd love to do something really big and extraordinary and great for God and for the church and for the sake of the gospel. You know, we open up our New Testament and we read about these Christians who many of them did do some big and amazing things for the cause of Christ. And we read those things and we say, man, that's, that's what I'd like to do. Preach a, an awesome sermon. And as a result, 3,000 people respond in baptism. Man, I'd love to be able to do that. Or to go on a missionary journey and preach and extend the gospel to every corner of the globe. Maybe take the gospel into new and uncharted territories. Man, that'd be awesome to do. Or maybe to just be able to courageously stand for Christ, even in the face of severe persecution, maybe even to be a martyr for His name. We see these giant works of these first century Christians, and we see that their names and their deeds, they are recorded for all time in the pages of Scripture, and we say, man, I wish I could do that. Especially you think about in the culture in which we live, We live in a culture where people bow down and worship at the altar of big. Bigger is better. We like big things. We want to do big things, achieve big things. If it isn't trending worldwide on social media, if it isn't greeted with lots of fanfare and hoopla, if it doesn't get lots of coverage on the evening news, I mean, come on, how important could it possibly be? But big things, really big and amazing things, that's where it's at. 
And so we get the idea that being a Christian, I mean being a real Christian, is when you go out and you do something big and amazing for the Lord. And while I'm certainly never going to discourage anybody from wanting to do something great and awesome for the Lord, the reality of life is, is that most of our discipleship, our daily discipleship, it's not big and it's not exciting. Much of Christianity does not garner lots of press and attention and fanfare. Instead, most of what we do as Christians in a day-to-day kind of basis, it's, it's pretty ordinary, isn't it? It's pretty vanilla, pretty plain Jane, it's pretty generic. It is lived out in the, the hustle and bustle and yes, even the boring everydayness of regular life lived by regular people. Which means, if we're sitting around... And if we're waiting to do some big thing for the kingdom of God, if we're sitting around and we're dreaming of some big and awesome thing that I can do for God, then what's going to happen is, is we're probably going to end up waiting and dreaming our life away. Because the truth of the matter is, most of us will never be in a position to do something grand and extraordinary that stands for all time, remembered for all time, some big mighty work in the kingdom. Which is why this morning, I'm going to suggest to you that we need to stop looking for the large and the extraordinary. Instead, what we need to do is we need to focus our attention and our energies on the small. How often do we think about the value of small things in the kingdom of God? Small acts of service, doing small acts of kindness, small things that we can do, Small things that we must be doing. The kinds of things that, yeah, they may not go viral. They may not trend number one worldwide on Twitter. They do not receive all kinds of praise and adulation of men. But they are the kind of small things that make an eternity of difference. This morning, to help us get into that mindset, I need us to sit with Jesus in Mark chapter 12. And let's watch together as a poor widow woman does something small for the Lord. And I believe that by us observing what this woman does, by looking at her small deeds through the eyes of Jesus, what's going to happen is we're going to come away with three powerful truths that I believe and I hope ought to make every single one of us Get up off of our keisters. We ought to get off the bench and we ought to start contributing to the kingdom of God in small ways. And when I say that every single one of us ought to be doing that, I do mean every single one of us. Young, old, everybody in between this morning needs to pay attention to this poor widow because her example... And what Jesus is going to show us about her example, it has the power to light a fire under us to do something small in the kingdom. And that all begins this morning by just saying a word or two about comparisons. Because in order for you to do something small in the kingdom, you're going to have to quit. You're going to have to quit comparing yourself to others. Would you look again at verse 41? Jesus says He's watching these people make their offerings there at the temple. The last part of verse 41 says that many rich people, they put in large sums. To build this picture in your mind, what you need to know is that in the temple at that time, 
There were actually a series of collection boxes. And so if you were a Jew, as you came there to worship, you would put money into the collection box for the offering that you need to have made on your behalf. So, for example, I need to put some money in here for, for a sin offering. And I need to put some money in here for a, a, an offering of thanksgiving. And you just would go down the line of all of these different boxes that you need various offerings done to be made for you. But at the end of that line, the very last box, the 13th box, it was a box for free will offerings. That is, all right, I've taken care of all this other stuff that I'm obligated to do, but now I've got some money and I just want to do this not out of any kind of obligation. It's just, I just want to do this for God. I just want to do this out of the generosity and the love in my heart that I have for the Lord. I just want to make this free will offering to God. And so imagine, if you will, maybe some really, really rich person. He's going down the row and he's just pouring in money to these boxes. Pouring in money to the boxes. Pouring in money to the boxes. And he gets to that last one, to the free will offering box. And maybe somebody comes up to him and he says, hey, hey, hey. You've already given so much for all of these offers. You don't need to put anything into the free will box. And this guy, he then pulls out a whole other pouch of money. And it's heavy with coins. And he turns it over and he's just shaking it out into the box. Can you imagine how impressive that would have been? Can you imagine how everybody standing there would have been like, Wow! That's a, look at what, look how much he loves the Lord. Look how much money he's giving to God and to His work. One writer described that scene. He said, with the huge Passover crowds and with the grand display that was made possible by these public boxes, all of that combined to create outrageous preening and prancing. We can imagine that a hush would have came over the crowd when a notable person approached. Perhaps he had so much money he couldn't even carry it all by himself. An audible gasp would then break out as the shekels come crashing and clanging into the box and the rich man then looks around with a see-if-you-can-top-that look on his face. Boy, it's easy to be impressed by that, isn't it? Boy, you're really something. Easy to be impressed when somebody makes a big donation for the Lord or when someone does something big and extraordinary for God. Let me tell you the drawback about that. The drawback about that is that when others do big and grand things, is we look at them, and then we look at ourselves. And we start comparing ourselves to them. And we start to then realize, well, I I can't do as much as that guy did. I mean, come on, look at all that he gave. Look at all that he did for the Lord. I can't measure up to that. You know, the little things that I could do, the small part that I could play, it doesn't even begin to compare to that guy there. And so really, what good is it for me to to even do anything? It's almost as if sometimes we kind of use the big and amazing deeds of others as an excuse for us to not do the things that we could do. Comparing ourselves to others actually ends up undervaluing what we can do for the kingdom. We end up seeing our contributions as being just so minuscule. They're so inconsequential. They're so meaningless. This widow woman, as she came there to the temple in Mark chapter 12, it would have been very easy for her to look around and see all of these big movers and shakers and to just kind of, I'm nobody. What good is my offering going to do? I guess I'll just go home. It would have been real easy for her to think that way. 
Would you notice, would you step out of Mark for just a second? Look in the book of Numbers, please. In the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 13. Do you remember this story in Numbers chapter 13? About the twelve spies that had been sent to spy out the land of Canaan. And how ten of those spies, they came back with an evil report, a negative report of the land. Why was that? Why did they come back and, and, and give this bad report of the land? Well, the reason for that is, is because they were comparing themselves to the big giants in the land. Notice what's said about that in Numbers 13. Look at the bottom of the chapter, verse 33. They said, and there we saw the Nephilim, the giants, the son of Anak who came from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Look at that expression. We seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. That is, when we compared ourselves to them, we shrank. We shrank in our own eyes. We felt inadequate. We felt inferior. We felt incapable. What's the solution to that kind of thinking? That's some stinking thinking right there. What's the solution to that stinking thinking? The solution here is that we need to get our eyes off of others. Stop looking at everybody else. Comparing ourselves to other people, that doesn't help us. It doesn't help them. And it sure doesn't help the work of God. If somebody is doing, if you have a brother or a sister in Christ who is doing something huge and great and monumental in the kingdom of God, God bless them. Man, we're glad that we have folks who can do some big and great things for the kingdom. But you know what? That doesn't have anything to do with me. That doesn't have anything to do with my ability. That doesn't have anything to do with what God expects out of me. In fact, as you turn back to the book of Mark, would you actually skip ahead a couple of chapters to Mark 14? In Mark the 14th chapter, here I believe Jesus gives us really the key to service and the things that we will do in the kingdom. In Mark chapter 14, you remember this story, this is Mary. She is anointing Jesus with this ointment, this alabaster flask of ointment. And she's anointing the Lord. And of course some people there are kind of fussing about that. Oh, what a big waste that was. Notice what Jesus says about that in Mark 14 and in verse 8. Look at the first word Jesus says in verse 8. Jesus says, she has done what she could. That's the key. She's done what she could. You do what you can. Christianity, listen to me. Christianity is not just for those who are blessed with amazing amounts of talent. Christianity is not just for those who seem to have infinite financial resources and they can just contribute to the work of God in so many ways. Christianity is not just for the influencers and the rainmakers in our world. No, think about it. The twelve apostles? Those guys didn't come from the best seminaries. They were not famous and renowned rabbis. They were fishermen and tax collectors. They weren't the movers and the shakers, but but they did what they could. And the Lord used that to His glory. And that's not just in the New Testament. What about in the Old Testament? When did God call Moses to come and to be the leader of His people? Was it when Moses was in the palace? He was in this position of prominence and power. And the Lord said, whoa, look at that guy. That guy, that's the guy for this job. That's not when that happened. It was only after 40 years of Moses herding a bunch of sheep. Or when did God call David? David was the youngest, the youth in his family. 
God called him when he was out as well taking care of the sheep. But David and Moses and others like him, they did what they could. They did what God called them to do. I'm saying to you this morning, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, young and old, serving Christ is for anybody and everybody who will do what they can. And that includes, yes, regular folk, ordinary people just like you and me. That widow woman, I imagine she was about the most ordinary person in the temple on that day. Probably the most inconspicuous of any of the people you would have seen in that day. So much so that none of the other worshipers were paying attention to her. Nobody else noticed her. Nobody said, oh, what that widow woman's doing. And guess what? She wasn't concerned about them either. She wasn't worried what other people were doing. She wasn't worried about their deeds and their actions. She was only concerned with doing what she could. And you and I, that's the same determination that we need. We need to stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. We need to just do what we can. Even if it is just a small thing. But I must tell you that that's never going to happen, secondly. That's never going to happen as long as we keep telling ourselves that small things, eh, small things just don't really matter. Small things just don't really make that much of a difference. As I turn back to Mark chapter 12, notice what's said about this widow woman's donation. Mark records in verse 42 that she put in two small copper coins which made a penny. Now, penny is our term. That's language that we understand. But the word here is actually lepton. And it is evidently, from what I gather, it is the smallest possible unit of money. The smallest denomination of a coin. It, in that sense, then, it does make it very similar to a penny to us. It's just not worth a whole lot. In fact, anymore, if you're walking down the street and somebody sees a penny on the ground, a lot of times folks don't even bother to pick it up. It's not worth the hassle. I've got to bend over and put it in my face. It's just a penny. Who cares about a penny? And the lepton was kind of like that. It's just hardly worth anything. Some scholars place the value of the lepton at one-sixty-fourth of a day's wage. Others say it wasn't even that close. Others say that it was actually one-one-hundred-forty-fourth of a day's wage. I ran with that figure and I did just a little bit of math. That if you take the average of minimum wages today, that would come out to somewhere in the neighborhood of our money of about 40 cents. And actually that number even sounds like it might be a little bit high. 40 cents. The lepton is actually so small that it actually comes from the same family of words where we get our word leaf. That's how thin it was. That's how inconsequential it was. The coin was so thin and so tiny. 40 cents. Now right now what many of you are thinking is you're thinking, well... Cares about 40 cents. How important can 40 cents be? Come on, Josh, are you telling me that those two little leptons of that woman, that it really made a difference in the annual budget at the temple? You know, can any of us imagine the high priest comes out the next day and he makes an announcement and says, "Ah, we're going to have to close the temple, folks. We're two leptons short. Nobody gave their 40 cents, and so I guess we're just going to have to go out of business here. No, absolutely not. 
And so as a result of seeing how minimal and minuscule that is, as a result of that kind of thinking, we make the decision in our mind that, well, you know, small things, small things don't really matter. Small things don't really make a difference. It's so small, it's so insignificant that actually, that actually there's just no point in even doing it at all. We become masters of judging the effectiveness of the small things that we can do, and we just come to the conclusion that small things don't count, and guess what? When you believe that small things don't count, you don't even do them. You just don't do them at all. Don't even bother doing those small things because they don't matter. Can I say a couple of things in that direction that I hope will help us to appreciate the small things that we can do in the kingdom maybe a little bit more? First of all, it seems to me that many times we just forget. We're just not thinking this all the way through. Sometimes we just forget that that small thing, that it's actually exactly what was needed. That that small thing that we could do for the Lord, it was what was most fitting of that circumstance in that situation. I'll give you an example of that. Look in Mark chapter 9. Just turn back a couple of pages to the ninth chapter of Mark. In Mark 9, Jesus talks about a small thing here. In Mark 9, look in verse 41. Jesus is about to send His apostles out and the things that they're going to be involved in, what they can look forward to. In Mark 9, verse 41, Jesus says, For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose His reward. Jesus said that from time to time His disciples, they were going to need just a cup of cold water. Now that's a small thing, but guess what? When you're thirsty, that's what you need. It's little, doesn't have a whole lot of value, but it's what you're going to need. Don't need some big thing. If I'm thirsty, I don't need you to get me a swimming pool. If I'm thirsty, I don't need you to drive me a big tanker truck full of water. No, I just need a cup of cold water. That's what the circumstance calls for. That's what fits the occasion. And oftentimes, this is where acts, small acts of kindness, this is where they come in. For example, if if one of our young men, if they get up on a Wednesday night and they read from Scripture, do we need to go out and rent a big blimp and fly a big banner over Lake Cumberland that says, Great job, Johnny! Is that what that calls for? No. But somebody just going to that young man, and putting their arm around and patting him on the back and say... Good job tonight. Appreciate you getting up there. It took a lot of courage and did a great job. Keep up the good work. That, that just fits, doesn't it? That's a small thing, but that's what fits that occasion. Parents, if a Bible class teacher comes to you and tells you, hey, your little boy or your little girl, they're, they're doing really well in Bible class. He or she, they're, they're, they're answering questions. They're making good comments. They're very observant. They're attentive. They're engaged in class. Well, what do you need to do about that, mom or dad? You need to go to your kid and say, hey, I'm buying you a new car because you listened in Bible class. No, that's not what that calls for. But maybe just going to that young person and saying, hey, I got a good word on you from your Bible class teacher. and I'm proud of you. You keep that up. That, that... That just fits, doesn't it? That's a small thing. That's a cup of cold water that fits that situation. 
If your neighbor comes to you and asks you a religious question, maybe they ask you about Christianity, maybe they ask you about the church that you're a part of, that neighbor does not need you to download onto them every single thing that you know about the Bible. No. But maybe a simple invitation to have a Bible study, a simple invitation to come to church, a simple invitation to listen to this sermon on the website, that just, that just fits, doesn't it? That's a cup of cold water. Lots of times, the small thing, that's the right thing. If I have a splinter, I don't need you to assemble me the greatest OR crew that you can find and fly in the most prominent, you know, surgeon that you can find on the face of the earth. That's not what I need. How about you just, how about you just loan me your tweezers? I just need that little thing. That's what'll help me in that situation. That's what, that's what fits. And we need to see the value of that about small things. And yes, I realize that sometimes, sometimes a big thing is what the situation calls for. But you and I realize that much of Christianity, our day-to-day lives as we serve the Lord, much of that just calls for small things. If I'm lonely, if I'm sad, if I'm feeling depressed, I don't need you to point me in the direction of five famous psychologists and buy me an entire self-help library. That's not what I need. What I do need is I just need you to call me on the phone and say, Hey, I was thinking about you today. I need you to just send me a card. Drop me a note and say, Hey, I love you. Praying for you. Do you see? A cup of cold water. That does make a difference. Forget this baloney that we tell ourselves. Cups of cold water do make a difference when it fits in the right place at the right time. The other thing that I would say about that is that you sure don't want to discount small things because small things, they add up. Have you any of you ever heard the story of Alex 2? T-E-W, Alex 2? In 2005, Alex Two was a student in England, and he needed to raise money for his college education. And so, as he thought about what are different ways that he could go about, you know, getting that money that's needed, college education is not cheap. What he decided was he decided that he would put up a web page, and he would then attempt to sell pixels on his web page, and he would sell those pixels for a dollar, a dollar a pixel. Now. That doesn't really seem like a big deal when you say that. You know, a dollar for a pixel. You know, whatever, big deal. Some companies would maybe do a little bit of advertising. They would buy blocks of ten. Going to get ten pixels and put put all kinds of different things in those ten. Okay, still, even then, ten dollars. Wow, big deal. That's not a whole lot. But his web page was a thousand pixels by a thousand pixels, which meant that his web page had a million pixels. And a dollar at a time, it only took him a few months, a dollar at a time, he raised a million dollars. You see, little things, they have a way of accumulating. That's how weather works. One drop of rain, well, yeah, that doesn't do a whole lot of damage. But you put a whole bunch of drops of rain together and you get a flood. One tiny snowflake, yeah, that's nothing to get worked up about. But you put a whole bunch of snowflakes together and you've got a blizzard. Small things add up to create big things, great things. I can show you that in the Bible. Would you look in the Old Testament again in Exodus? In Exodus 35. In Exodus 35, there's discussion here about the the construction, the building of the tabernacle, which was 
honestly, one of the most elaborate structures ever built, at least at that time. For example, one of the details about the tabernacle is that its inside, its interior, was overlaid with gold. You know, there's not any one single Israelite who could have showed up one day and said, hey guys, I'll I'll write the check for that. I'll take care of all the interior gold. I'm going to pay for that and you guys go home and you don't have to worry about that. No one Israelite would have been able to do that. But look at what happens when you get a whole bunch of people together who have a giving and cheerful spirit about that. They contribute to that effort. Verse 29 of Exodus 35. Exodus 35, 29. All the men and all the women, all the people of Israel whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, they brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. You keep reading on into chapter 36, and what ends up happening is Moses has to actually tell the people to stop giving. They're so generous. They give so much that they have more than what they actually need for the task. That's pretty amazing to me. Do you see the kind of amazing things that are able to happen? When people's hearts are stirred to do what they can. I can't fund the entire tabernacle operation, but I can help. And that guy can help, and that gal can help, and we all come together and look. It's taken care of. And so for us, instead of us thinking that, you know what, my my small thing that I can do for God, my small way that I can affect the kingdom, instead of thinking, well, that will just never amount to much, what I need to think about is I need to think in terms of, you know what, my small thing, added to Randy's small thing, added to Carolyn's small thing, added to Sandy's small thing, and we just keep doing all of that, and we add that to everybody else's small things, over time, over time, that's really going to add up, isn't it? And so, for example, the woman, the mother, who reads the Bible to her child for just five minutes a day, And I mean those kids are squirming when they're little and they don't want to sit there and they don't want to listen to that Bible. But she does that day after day after day. And that's combined then with the efforts of the local church to teach her child in Bible class what that woman finds over time. He said all those small efforts, they added up to that child growing up to be a Christian. They grew up to be someone who loved and served the Lord and loved His Word. Or you know, maybe that invitation that you extended to somebody to, hey, would you like to have a Bible study? Hey, would you listen to this sermon CD? Hey, would you come to church with me sometime? When you combine those small things with all the efforts of a bunch of other folks, hey, maybe other folks are inviting that person. we got other folks here who maybe they have an interest in that person's soul. And all the things that they're doing. And slowly over time as that chips away and those things accumulate, what happens is finally there's a breakthrough and that person accepts that invitation. Maybe that even leads to that person being converted and becoming a Christian. You see, it's really easy to stand back and to say, well, you know what, my 40 cents isn't going to make a difference. But you know what, if nobody ever gave their 40 cents, then what would happen? i tell you what would happen. Nothing would happen. Nothing would ever get done. We've got to stop telling ourselves that our little efforts, our little contributions, our little bits, that they just don't really matter. Because one cup of cold water many times, that's exactly what is needed. And as those cups, as they accumulate and as they add up, God is able to put them all together and He's able to use them in a profound and amazing way to His glory. That widow woman in Mark chapter 12, she knew 
that her two tiny little leptons was not going to fund the temple's operation for the entire fiscal year. She knew that. But she gave anyway. And why? Because she understood that small things do matter. Which leads to this third and final, and I think probably the most important observation. And that is that even in the small things, we need to remember that the Lord takes notice of that. The Lord sees the small things that we do. Don't tell yourself that He doesn't see or He doesn't notice or He doesn't care. And this is what matters the most here. That we recognize that God sees and that's who we're trying to please here. Look at verse 41 again. It begins by saying, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and He watched. And while I'm sure He probably couldn't help but notice some of the others, people that were in His periphery, He certainly would have noticed some of the big time people who came through and poured in their buckets full of money. Verse 43 though makes it clear that the one who really caught Jesus' eye was that poor widow. And what that says to me is that says to me, that affirms to me, maybe better than any other place in the Bible, that affirms to me that God notices small things. I'm certain that in verse 43, when Jesus motioned for the disciples to come over and to pay attention, I'm certain that they probably thought Jesus is going to call our attention to some big wig, some big donor, And hey, let's notice this guy. Let's all be impressed with how big his donation is. Let's all be impressed with how large his contribution is to the Lord's work. But Jesus actually says, boys, if you're looking at those people, you're looking at the wrong thing. God sees differently than man sees. God sees inside. He's got x-ray vision that way. God is able to see the human heart. And so a really big and amazing thing done out of excess, that's never as impressive to God as that small thing that is done as the one thing that I can do. And so the person who just simply follows wholeheartedly in their service to God, the person who serves and gives and is sacrificial and does that gladly, the person who performs an act of kindness, an act of generosity, an act of mercy, an act of service, simply because and for no other reason than the fact that it honors the Lord, that's the kind of person that catches God's eye. And that's the kind of person that God honors. Do you know the passage that I really need to plug in right here? It's in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about Judgment Day, paints a very vivid picture of what that's going to be about. And I want you to notice that Judgment Day is not going to be about, oh, who gave a million dollars to the Lord's work? No. Judgment Day is not going to be about who converted 5,000 people, 5 million people in their lifetime. That's not what Judgment Day is going to be about. Matthew 25, beginning verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, all the angels are with Him. He'll sit on His glorious throne. Before Him is going to be gathered all the nations. He's going to separate people, separate the sheep from the goats. Verse 33. He's going to place the sheep on His right and the goats are on His left. Then the King's going to say to those on His right, verse 34, Come, come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? Verse 35. For I was hungry. You gave Me some food. I was thirsty. You gave Me something to drink. I was a stranger and You welcomed Me. I was naked and You clothed Me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. 
All of those things that are mentioned there in verses 35 and 36, all of those are small things, aren't they? All of those are small things that actually I am convinced we can all do to some degree. These are things that do not require a huge bank account. These are things that do not require you to have all kinds of amazing talents and ability. These are things that do not require you to be retired so you've got all the time in the world to just do all of this stuff. No. These are just ordinary things. These are small things. And the Lord notices them. And how does the Lord notice them? Verse 37, they will then ask Him, Lord, well, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? Verse 40, the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it also to me. Small things matter in the kingdom of God. You can do this kind of stuff. I can do this kind of stuff. And we will do this kind of stuff as soon as we realize that what Jesus is illustrating, what He's talking about here, and what He's illustrating in the life of this widow woman is that God sees all that we do. And sometimes when we talk about the all-seeing eye of God, we only think of that in terms of God sees us when we sin. He's like Santa Claus. He knows you whether you've been naughty or nice. So God sees you when you've done bad things. and That's true. God sees that. But guess what? God also sees the good things that you do. God sees even the good, small things that you do. He knows every single act that is done in His name. Even the small stuff. And so, as I look at that set of truths from Mark chapter 12, the application, the takeaway, the stuff that we need to, okay, pick this up and take it home with me. The application stuff is pretty easy here, isn't it? It's pretty obvious. We need to serve. We need to act. We need to do. Quit trying to find some kind of big ginormous deed that you can do in the kingdom of God. You know, I'm still sitting around and I'm trying to get my ducks in a row so I can do this big grand and amazing thing. No. How about you simply just do what is right in front of you? How about you simply just do what you're able to do? Do something small for God. Before I close all of this, can I especially say right now to our young people, and I mean I'm talking even to young kids, and I'm talking to teenagers. You know, when you're young, everybody's doing for you. You may not you know, even realize that right now, but when you get older, you're going to realize... Everybody did everything for me. Uh, how could I how, how I even survive the first 18 years of my life if it hadn't been for my parents and grandparents and all these people at church doing all this stuff for me? People are doing for you all the time, young people. How about, how about you start doing some stuff? How about you start doing some stuff for the Lord? And one of the ways you can do that is by doing things for others. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 25, wasn't it? Acts of service, acts of kindness. How can you maybe help mom and dad out around the house this week? Maybe make their life a little bit easier. Who's somebody at school that you could do something good for in a positive and constructive way? What are some ways? Open up your eyes. Think a little bit. Look around. There's plenty to do. What small thing are you able to do in the kingdom of God? In reality, this lesson, I didn't tailor this lesson as a young people lesson. But in many ways, it is. This is right up the alley of young people. The small things that you can do, they are important to God. 
Do not leave, young, old, everybody. Do not leave this sermon sitting in the pews today. Pick it up. Take it with you. All of us need to be looking for, in fact, I'll do you one better, all of us need to be creating opportunities to do some small thing for God today and every day. In the words of that grand old hymn, each day I'll do a golden deed. Now, as we get ready to stand and sing the song of encouragement, the song of invitation, we kind of switch gears a little bit, talk so much about the value of small things, and I told you that, you know, big things, don't need to be looking for big things. Well, right now, as we extend heaven's invitation, we are encouraging you to do a big thing. And it is, it's it's really in many ways, it's just about the biggest thing that you can do. And that is to submit your will to the will of God. Render your obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ right now and become a child of God. That is, make no mistake, that's a big thing. But you know what? It's a big thing that you need to do. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a part of the family of God, you need to be ready to make that big step today so that you can be saved, so that all your past sins can be washed away, so that you can be a part of that blood-bought body that is on its way to heaven. Can we help somebody this morning to confess their faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, to repent and turn from sin, and then be immersed in water, be baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus so that you can rise to walk in newness of life? Can we help you? That's a big thing. We're ready to help you to do that this morning. Brother or sister, if there's some repenting that needs to go on in your life, yep, that's a big thing too. Repenting is hard. It's really hard. That's the hard thing in God's plan of salvation. That's the tough one. But we're encouraging you to do that. The Lord is encouraging you to do that. Repent of whatever might be amiss in your life. Start serving Him in a better way from this day forward. If we can pray with you and encourage you and hold you accountable to to serve God like you ought to, we're ready to help you do that as well. Whatever your need may be, big thing, small thing, let's help each other to serve the Lord. Let's do that right now while we stand and while we sing.